why do we spend $5 on a bottle of water at an airport when you can buy it for 99 cents at the local grocery store? Well, because you're at the airport and you're thirsty and you have no choice. You know, people, if they're arrested, they're not asking about well, what does the lawyer cost? Or if they go in, into the emergency room, they're not asking about what it's cost. If you have the pain, people pay money to solve it. And you just got to figure that out. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan. And today I'm joined by my new friend, Mr. Barry Moltz, who is, there he is, yep, raising his glass. Uh, Barry is small business expert, starship commander, right? Am I getting it right? The great and powerful Barry Moltz. You you got it. The great and powerful. Only to some. And today we're doing uh, something that sounds somewhat exotic, but don't get too excited. We're actually doing a picanha, right? Which is, goes by a lot of different names. They call it, I think like, some people call it like sirloin, something or other. It's essentially like poor man's brisket. And so I've already got it in the grill uh, and had it kind of going so we could we could get it a little further along while we're recording. Um, and I went real simple, went with a with a regular kind of brisket rub. Hashtag not a sponsor, but you know, there it is. If you know that, if you know that label, if you're watching online, you can, you can see that. And uh, I'm spritzing it with some apple cider vinegar every so often, just to kind of keep it moist, give it a little brightness on the outside. That'll help kind of break down some of that fat. And I, I cut a lot of the, uh, what they call the cap off of it too, which is like this really big, thick piece of fat. A lot of times you'll leave those on there on pork and different things. But for this one, it's really, really tough and it blocks a lot of the heat. So as the kids say, hashtag no cap, right? I cut it off and um, that's going to help it cook a little bit, uh, a little bit more evenly. Now, what do you think, Barry? Uh, I think it's great considering I'm a quote unquote non-griller. I've got a great Weber Genesis grill at my home here in Scottsdale. My wife continually comes down on me because... I really don't know how to grill. So this is the perfect podcast for me to be on so I can learn something about grilling. So that is, we are, we are the podcast for the, the non-elites, right? The grilling, the grilling uh, enthusiasts, but not experts like myself. Um, what, so what, ha- what do you grill? Are you ever, when you try to grill, what exactly are you cooking? Oh, man. So I'll do like hamburgers. I'll do shish kebabs. I'll do steaks. We might do salmon, you know, on a plank. But I always get really nervous, Jerry, because I'm never quite sure when the food is done. And I like my meat cooked all the way through because I'm nervous, you know, I'm going to get some kind of disease or something. But I don't like to cook for a lot of people because usually I overcook it. So when my wife says, why don't we grill for these guests tonight? I like break out into a cold sweat. <laughs> so, okay, as a as a lo- lifelong recovering germaphobe, I can also tell you that I have also struggled with the whole, you know, do we have it at a safe temp? I will say that if where you can hone your skills on that a little bit is to stick to things like um, things that can come undercooked a little bit. So beef. You know, you don't want to undercook pork. You don't want to undercook chicken. Salmon, you can kind of go a little more rare if, as long as it's fresh right. and hasn't been sort of ruined. But I would say, um, you know, also get a, get a good uh, – here, I actually got mine sitting out. So this is like an Amazon – I want to say these are like 20 30 bucks. 
This is a, this one's called a Therm Pro, hashtag not a sponsor, right? And it's a, it's a really good probe thermometer. You want to get a good one. Like, I mean, you can find them everywhere, but the cheap ones kind of take a while to read and they're not real reliable. If you get one with a lot of really good reviews on Amazon, if you poke that thing in there, there's actually a chart on the back that will tell you pork and poultry sort of temperatures that you want to shoot for. And the way to make sure you don't overcook them is you want to poke the thermometer probe into the fattest part, get it into the very center, the la- which will be the last thing that cooks. And then whatever temperature you're trying to get it to, as soon as it gets, so if I'm shooting for, say, pork, you know, the recommendation is 170, right? I actually do 165. But if you want to go all the way to 170, the, not, the, the moment it hits 170, you pull it off and you let it rest. It's that um, prolonged time and you start going over 180 because it continues to cook a lot uh, after you pull it off the grill. It'll continue to heat up in the middle because there's the outside of it's hot and everything else too. So just, you know, pulling it off right at the right temperature and then letting it rest is usually how to get it done, but not tough. All right. So I have tried this being a technology guy. I am mostly using iPhones. I actually have the Weber Genesis, as I said, and I bought an iWeber probes, right? Okay. And it works on an app, right? You plug it actually right into the grill and then you take the probe and you put it into whatever you're cooking. Right. I've tried that and it does not work. It does not say what the temperature really is and it's always undercooked. So I think what I have to do is I have to I have to trash the whole technology thing which connects to your phone and I have to go old school where I have to put one of these other thermo probe thermometers in. Yeah. I got to try that. I'm going to order one on Amazon today. Hashtag not a sponsor. Hashtag not a sponsor. So I will tell you the probe that I have. I actually open up the grill. The probe that I have in there now is connected to the grill and is connected to an app. But you notice I actually also had the Therm Pro out, and the reason that I do that is. I use the digital sort of uh, app connected one more like directionally, right? And so I'll when I get within about 10 degrees of where I want it to go versus that, then I start pulling out this really accurate Therm Pro and just start poking it all in lots of different little places to make sure I get a real good read on the temperature. Um, because those, those probes are great. I mean, if you're cooking something like this... This, the reason I started this before the show is it takes a while. And so let's say you're doing a big, you know, you're doing a big pork roast. Or let's say you're doing a big turkey, right? You're doing a big turkey for a holiday or maybe, something. Jerry, maybe you are. I won't be doing that. But yeah, I understand how you might be doing that. But but if you're doing something big like that and you want to, and you want to like leave it for a while, the app things are great. I mean, they allow you to keep an eye on it um, and you can sort of kind of run down there if something's going on but you know start small man just just pick a couple of I things am. i am you'll get there and it's it's like there's something so masculinity affirming of just tsh, pulling it off and here you go babe and you put it on the plate and you know yeah the wife made everything else for the meal but i made pops i put the meat on the grill right i mean it's it's something special but, but but my guests love it because they'll come over and i'll say hey you want to help cook they go yeah and they love the grill because they know how to grill. And they go, wow, you got a really great grill. I go, yeah, it's a great grill. I just never use it. Thanks for coming over and using it. Thanks for coming over and using it. You know, another thing I've got, it's actually off camera, but I recently got one of those um, 
flat top grills. You ever seen those? There's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a stainless steel griddle that they use in like restaurants. And they now make these that you can have them at home. There's like 50 different brands of them, but that's a ton of fun. Cause I'll bring the kids out like on a Saturday morning and we'll throw like potatoes and eggs on this thing. And they're trying to get me to do hibachi, like volcano onion stuff, which I've tried yeah. a couple times and just set the thing on fire. But, um, that's a, that's a lot of fun. So that's like, you know, you can do food on that, that you don't have to worry so much about you undercook an onion and like, you know, you, it's not it just really doesn't bad. taste as good. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're chewing it and they have bad breath. So Barry, small business expert, um, that's perfect for the audience that we have here. We've got a lot of people who, uh, are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs or people that are starting projects or just trying to better themselves. And, um, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect from some people in when they think of entrepreneurship, they think of it like, you know, a shark tank thing, or they think of Elon Musk, or they think of whatever. And, and there's so much more to entrepreneurship. They don't think about the small business side of it. So what would you say that what would be the definition of a small business? Well, first of all, let's talk about Shark Tank and Elon Musk. First of all, you're never going to be Elon Musk. You know, in my book, that's a good thing because I don't like him personally, but you're never going to have the kind of success that Elon Musk has or Mark Zuckerberg or any of these other guys. It's not you. That's like one in a billion, right? And and you don't have to be fabulously successful and financially successful. That's what you want uh, in your right. business. You don't have to be Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. Shark Tank, it ain't real, Right. They, they narrow that down to 10 or 15 minutes. They're talking to these guys for an hour. A lot of those deals don't go through. I know a lot of people have been on it. Hasn't helped them a bit. Shark Tank is entertainment. That's the way you got to look at it. It's not like running a real business. Love Shark Tank. Love the people, the judges on there, but it's not about running a business. Running a business really is, do you really want to try to support your family by solving someone else's problem, trying to provide a solution to a problem they know they have. If they don't know they have that problem, it's going to be a problem. You have to understand, Jared, people only buy when they're in pain and they have to have money to solve that pain. So what you want to figure out is the pain your customer has and make sure that customer actually has the money to solve the pain. Because if they don't, that's just a nonprofit. That's just a charity. So it doesn't really work. That's true. So look for the pain. Yeah. I mean, and I've said that on previous episodes, I'm so glad, you know, you said it unprompted, like the best businesses solve a problem because it's so, when, when you, when you solve, when you build a business that solves a problem for somebody, it clarifies so many things. It clarifies who your customer is. It clarifies why they should be talking to you. It clarifies what success looks like, right? Because are we solving the problem, right? Or, or at least as the customer, not only are we solving the problem, this is a, so this was a problem big time when, when for years at Proctor U, the technology company that I started, you know, we kept people from cheating on tests. And um, what we found through the years was that people knew they needed to do something and we were a solution to a problem, but they didn't love the problem enough to really get under the hood and see if we were solving it or not. Now we were solving it, but we'd have com- like little ankle biter cheap knockoff competitors that would come in and go, yeah, 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 we do the same thing. And they really weren't, they weren't stopping cheating, but the customer didn't have the motivation to go see if we were solving it. So that's kind of like a lesson I always like try to weave in is not only do you have to solve the problem, but you have to make sure that the customer knows and cares that you've solved the problem as well. Does that make, I mean, have you ever seen those kinds of situations? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, you just got to think of, you know, why do we spend $5 on a bottle of water at an airport 
when you can buy it for 99 cents at the local grocery store? Well, because you're at the airport and you're thirsty and you have no choice. You know, people, if they're arrested, they're not asking about well, what does the lawyer cost? Or if they go in, into the emergency room, they're not asking about what it's cost. If you have the pain, people pay money to solve it. And you just got to figure that out. That's right. You're not in the, they're not wheeling you in the emergency room and you go, wait, I got a coupon code. Like ha- exactly. <laughs> coupon code for, you know, health 15, 15% off. <laughs> That's no. right. That's not how healthcare works at all, unfortunately. So what exactly, you're the, you're the small business expert. What exactly do you do to help people? You know, my big thing, Jared, has been helping to get small businesses unstuck. I find a lot of small business owners have a certain amount of success, a limited amount of success, which they're kind of sort of able to support themselves, but they never get to the type of financial success that they always dreamed of. They're stuck usually in one of five areas in sales and marketing, leadership management, customer experience, productivity, or money. So when I help small business owners, I try to figure out where are they stuck that's preventing them from moving forward. Is there a unifying theory of stuckness, right? Is there like a, is there like a one or two things that it almost always is, or is it something different every time? Yeah. I mean, usually it's sales and marketing or leadership and management sales and marketing. Cause a lot of folks don't know how to do it, or they're afraid of rejection mm. and leadership management is because maybe they can do the job, but no one ever really taught them how to be a manager. I was lucky enough that the first nine years of my career, I spent at IBM. And so when I became a manager, they sent us off to four weeks of charm school, management school. So they taught me how to be a manager. Most people don't get that kind of training. Yeah, but it's very true. And most people don't get good sales training either, right? I mean, sales and marketing, they train marketing in college. Very few colleges train sales and very few train it well. And yet I feel like, you know, Sales is one of the few skills that you could teach somebody that is almost universally universally applicable, right? It, it would help them get any number of jobs in any number of industries. And yet you talk to a person that's good at sales and they, they've never say, oh, I went to this like academy or I learned. And nah, they just, well, you know, I started doing it and then I got better at it. And the ones that are good, you know, really realize they needed to read books and get better at it. The ones that are not good, like, well, you know, I know about cars, so I decided to sell cars. And that's kind of where they landed and stayed. You know, I think that there's, if you're going to be great at sales, there's got to be two things. One is you can't look at it as sales. You got to look at, you're trying to help people. You're trying to advise people, right? I'm not trying to sell you anything. If you're not interested in buying, I'm okay. I'm going to move on to the next guy. The other thing is you can't be afraid of rejection. When someone says no to me, they're not saying no to me. They're saying no to, well, they don't have a big enough pain, right, to solve, or they're not in right. enough pain, or they don't have the money. I move on to the next person. I don't really care because I know, Jared, if I can't help you, I, I'll try to help the next person, next person, next person. That's what's really about for me. I don't get hurt by a no. All they can say is no, and I move on to the next. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying a minute ago, which was, you know, solving a problem is just such a great way to start a business because it, it really does clarify what a salesperson, what they should be saying to a person that they're trying to sell to. The best salespeople that I've ever worked around are problem solvers, right? And have inquisitive minds and they, and they sit down and they really get to know you. And like the best ones always ask a question like, Hey, you know, something like, what does success look like? Or what are you trying to, what are you trying to accomplish here? Or what's, what's like, what's winning look like for you? 
And when you figure that out, you start talking to, you know, whatever it is you're selling, you, you ask somebody, what are you actually trying to do here? And they go, well, I'm trying to reduce my costs here. Well, I got this problem. And when you fully understand it, then you can weave the whole thing into, listen, let me show you that I can solve your problem. And then it's just a discussion of money, right? And then you kind of get down into the basics of, you know, price is what you pay and value is what you get. If they're focused on, wow, I can really solve the problem, you know, can I get it, the economics to where it makes sense and you'd pay that to solve this problem? You know, I think another really important part, Jared, is that I don't believe we can actually sell anything to anybody. We just need to be there when people are ready to buy. And so that's why marketing is so important. You ever heard that expression, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, right? Ah, if yes. you've been marketing this person for a very long time, when they finally have the pain that you, uh, the pain that your solution can solve, then they'll put you in the maybe pile, the one of two or three people they'll consider to buy the solution from. But if you haven't been marketing to them over time, you have actually zero chance. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I was in a market about six months ago to buy an electric bike for my, uh, my wife. I didn't realize since I'm a cyclist, people have been marketing electric bikes to me for like two years. All of a sudden, <laughs> I started seeing all these ads around me only because I was in the market to buy that. So yeah. again, you have to be marketing all the time so you're there when people are ready to buy. I don't think we can force anybody, anybody to buy anything. Let's check on the grill while we're at it. So we're going to hit it with the uh, apple cider vinegar. It's starting to look good. So I've got my probe in here. Barry, we're at 83. I think I want to take this, you know, I like a medium rare. So I'll probably take it to 145. And But when it gets to like high 130s, then I'm going to be on high alert. And I'm going to start hitting it with the uh, the external one in a bunch of different places. But you see how it's like, you see how it's like, I don't know if you can watch on the overhead. You see it's like a triangle right there. It's like there's a thinner part down here. Like this part's going to get done way before that part gets done. And mm -hmm. so you want to make sure, mm -hmm. you know, you don't get too crazy because you'll be great over here where it's nice and fat, but then this turns into leather over there. Um, and beef is, you know, beef is beef, right? So you'll... You can, you can serve that a little less, uh, you know, people, beef tartare, right? They serve that raw. So, you know. Yeah, they can serve that to somebody else as far as I'm concerned, Jared. They're not serving that to me. <laughs> I know some people I've grilled, they go, yeah, I just want it bloody, right? And what's bloody, right? They just want it kind of tanned on either side. I'm like, mm, not me. Listen, to each their own, right? It's all good. But I tell you, I will, I tell you, when I go out to restaurants and they go, they go, well, what, do you, what do you, how do you want your, your beef cooked or whatever it is? I go, I want it medium well. No one except the finest restaurants will serve it to me medium well. They always serve it to me medium because they're really afraid of having it too well done. That's a, it, a, any So just if you're a well done steak person out there, you're probably not listening to this podcast, honestly. But if you are, no offense, like, you know, to each their own. But if, if you're at a really good restaurant and you, order a, and you order a full on well done steak, which is not what you said. Right. You said you're going medium well. If you order full on well done, there is they will they will reach around in the meat drawer and find the crappiest steak they can find. And because they're just going to nuke it to death. Right. And then, you know, right. medium well, you can you can still get in and have a good steak and it's got some tenderness. But if you go all you tell them to go all the way to well done, you're, you're eating bricks. But, but, but see, here's the thing. If I'm at a really fine steak restaurant, I'm ordering it medium. 
because I know the right. cut is going to be better. If I'm at a very average place, I'm going to order it medium well. But at a fine steak restaurant, it's always medium. Or you just, you know, just order a well done. I mean, if you order a burger well done, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, there's plenty of good, like you could, you know, right. in and out burger. But you're slopping all this other stuff on. You're slopping all this stuff on it anyways. What's the difference? I mean, you go to some of the best uh, fast food burgers. Not that I've done an extensive amount of research on this, but. If you go to some of the best fast food restaurants in the country and they do like the, like an In-N-Out burger or like Whataburger or Culver's or whatever, they all griddle their burgers and there's like some char around the edge, right? And that's kind of like the allure of those is you get that kind of crunchy overdone. And so like there's a whole market for that, but not in a good cut of steak. That's the worst. That's the worst, man. You bring somebody to a nice restaurant like that and then they're just kind of like... Yeah, they can't even, they're trying to order the chicken fingers, you know? Listen, especially for how expensive out take, uh, going out their dinner is now. I mean, the prices are just really, really high. Yeah. You know, a lot of cities, you know, have a certain percentage to add on for the employee benefits. It's it's tough. But I have a really important question. You know, at the break, I was looking up thermoprobes. There's a whole variety of thermoprobe, thermoprobes, right, for yeah. the temperature gauges. Yeah. What model do you have? Not a sponsor. I be, I, hashtag not a sponsor. I bet they ought to send me one for this, by the way. Uh, they should. I definitely should. I have a TP19H. Okay, that's good. But honestly, like, I would think that once you get past a certain level, it's there's probably too many bells and whistles yeah. on it. What's nice about this one is, again, I don't know if you can see, but it it flips the reading no matter how many different ways you turn it. It always turns the reading mm -hmm, up upright, mm -hmm. which is kind of useful if you're like, you know, kind of reaching around a piece of meat and trying to, trying to stick it somewhere. Um, but they have a, I mean, at some point, you know, you get beeps and timers and things. You don't really need all that. Right. You just need to make sure it's got a good temperature, you know, gauge on there. Well, well, they should definitely send you one because at least out of this show, they got an additional sale. Yeah, Alex, can you get on that? Like that's our producer, Alex. Can you get can you get on that, right? Can you can you get the Therm Pro team to just recognize the slow smoke business nation is gonna start buying the heck out of these things? I'm on it right now. He's on it. So do you related question, as a small business, do you ever get a chance to work with restaurants? Oh, of course. I mean, I think uh, again, someone told me a long time ago, Jared, that a restaurant is just a bar that serves food. <laughs> and, and again, this was before COVID, right? Because all the money was in the alcohol. Sure. You know, a lot of these folks went through a very, very bad time, obviously during COVID. I think it's coming back now. But going out to dinner wasn't what it was previously. I mean, it's, I don't know how it is in Alabama, but uh, when I travel around the country, it's expensive. Yeah, The food is. is expensive. It is expensive to go out. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I don't blame these restaurateurs, right? They got a lot to make up for because for a couple of years, their business was not good. Yeah. And it's hard to find people. It's hard to find serving staff. It's hard to find people in the kitchen. That Well, that's what it really comes down to. It's it's yeah. finding good people and keeping good people. You got to pay different wages today. Things have changed. You know, a lot of people can argue for the better, but there's, there's a, um, you know, an undeniable effect it has on the bottom line. And I, I, I was the other day, like you, you really start to notice it when you add on a couple of more things. So like I was at, I was working at my office the other day uh, at the car shop, did not have an opportunity to run out and get a lunch. And so I just DoorDash something and wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about it. I just ordered like, you know, the grilled chicken salad that I normally get. And 
uh, man, I looked at the total when I got done and I was like, dude, did I just spend like $30 on, on a single person's lunch? Right, and it's not, exactly. a, and it's not a T-bone steak or whatever. Like what, exactly. what on earth, you know? And it was, you look at it. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we've got increased wages for the people that are cooking it and everything else. You know, the cost of delivery has gone up and then there's taxes and then there's, and it's like, good gracious. Like it had gotten expensive. Well, if you, you think about it, we were just in uh, in San Francisco, and I, we got to lunch like two salads. And it was like thirty five bucks, and I'm like, yeah. how did I get the thirty five bucks? Well, there's the salads, right? There's seven percent added in because for the wages for the employees. There's then tax, and then there's a tip, right? A tipping for fast food now has become a thing, ever since COVID. Yeah, and so you might it might cost you thirty five percent more. I'm not even talking about a meal with alcohol. I didn't drink for 22 years because I got diabetes in 2017. I just couldn't deal anymore, more, so I went back to drinking alcohol. I didn't realize how much money I saved going out to restaurants <laughs> not drinking alcohol. I will tell you that that half our bill when we go out to dinner is alcohol. Yeah, that's the truth. Like they, you know, restaurants you come in and the food might be moderately priced, but they're like, "Would you like a cocktail?" And kind of look around and go, "Yeah, it's just Friday. Let's get a." And the next thing you know, like everything's. $13 a glass, you know, and you're thinking, gee whiz, like at least at sometimes least, 15 right? or seven, 15, 17, 20. I went to a, a restaurant the other day. I drink mostly wine. They gave me Jared, a four ounce pour, a four ounce pour used to be six ounces. Well, it used to be eight ounces, then six ounces, then five ounces. I go four ounce pour Jared. That's a sip. That's not a cup of wine. <laughs> what they call that, the, the, the key word for that is like shrinkflation, right? So it's like, exactly. That's, that's a tasting of, menu. Right. The cost of something they know is too visible to go up for a particular product. And so they just start selling. So like, you know, your box of wheat thins and stuff like that. I'm not picking on wheat thins. I don't know if they're doing it, but like your box of whatever crackers or cereal or whatever it used to be, you know, however many ounces. And now they shrink the amount of ounces in the box, but they don't change the price. And so you just mm -hmm. kind of thinking like, you, you know, maybe you don't notice, but and that's, you know, that is the situation that the United States is in right now, inflation doesn't go down until everybody decides that it's going down and believes that it's going down. And that's kind of the issue, not to get like way down a rabbit hole in economics, but like that's the issue where we're at now. It's become so ingrained in culture right now and people talking at the dinner table like, oh, things are so much more expensive that that feeds on. And then people, well, I'm going to I'm going to ask for a raise. Well, then that raise makes prices go up. And then that's kind of where we're at with a lot of these things. Well, it, it's people keep spending. They keep buying the stuff. Right. I mean, I don't know where you were, but where I am, eggs at one point were seven, eight dollars a dozen. Oh. Right which yeah. was outrageous, but, but my wife kept buying eggs. And so if you stop buying these things, and again, the reason we have inflation is because the government pumped a whole heck of a lot of money into the market, you know, dur during the pandemic, during the pandemic, because people don't have work, people are scared, it hadn't happened in a hundred years, people don't know what they're doing. But hopefully now people have less of that money, right? And then the prices will start coming down. And inflation is coming down some, but, and, and a lot of people, a lot of tech jobs are going away and things like that but still it is fairly high. So more and more, especially that I'm now in Scottsdale, uh, I'm in Scottsdale for the winter, we just have people over, right? Because yeah. I can buy a $15 bottle of wine. It's got four glasses in it, rather than just buying one glass for 15 bucks. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot better. Just have people over. That's why I gotta learn to grill, Jared. That's, That's why, why you gotta I got learn to grill. Honors. I gotta learn to grill. My wife's gonna be really excited about that. I was on this podcast, man, because she really wants me to grill. 
that you can't keep paying the uh, the delta there to get somebody else to throw it on the grill. See, I've got a problem. I'm in pain. If anybody wants to teach me grilling lessons, barrymolts.com, just let me know. That, well, listen, maybe that's an, a natural outgrowth of this show. Is like let let an idiot teach you to grill, uh, like like a moderate idiot, right? I mean, I can. Uh, I will take now. Do you eat? You like chicken? You like to eat chicken? I like I pretty much eat everything, right? So uh, okay, it's all good. So I mean, the easiest thing to grow. I've been on. I've been on our producer Alex. Actually, Alex is in the UK, and I sent him a prize box uh, a month or two ago of like all these like rubs and sauces and everything. And I've been prodding him to get his get his grill out and go. But like, chicken is the easiest thing to grill and make delicious. I will say that it is also probably the one that people are the most spooked about with temperature, right? Mm. Because you salmonella and everything else. But if you can get the easiest thing to, to pull off and people are like, man, that was delicious is bone in skin on, you know, chicken breast or chicken quarter or what some, something bone in and skin on are the two keys. You put it on a grill you get you a great off the shelf, you know, seasoning, something that's got some sugar in it, some sweetness, you know, so you just put a little bit of that on the top and you grill it. You, you, you know, you, you take it all the way to the safe temperature. You pull it off right as it gets to that temperature and you let it rest and you get a really good sauce. And I'm telling you, man, it, that's the easiest thing to pull off. Chicken tastes delicious when cooked, right and juicy. You take it to the safe temp, but not much further. It's the easiest thing. I, that's why I, I do that on the show a lot is I'll do chicken because it's super simple to do. The people that are in the house all love to eat that. When I get done with the show, they all love to eat chicken. But it's really kind of like it's not hard to get that really delicious. I believe you. I Listen, I'm, it's, it's starting with a probe. Yeah, like all as opposed to a brisket or something, which may take hours, right? And I will admit in front of God and everyone, like I have yet to master a brisket. I have tried multiple times. It'll be delicious as it's coming off the grill. Uh, but man, it ends, you know, it's hard to, you know, it sits for a little bit. It gets tough. It's hard. It's there, there are things that are really difficult to do like that. That's why Texas is famous, right? Texas. It's like you're born knowing how to do that in Texas. Texas barbecue. Texas barbecue, right? That's right. And you got the pickup truck and the shotgun in the back. That's I mean, right. I have to tell you, I live here in uh, Scottsdale for the winters. I feel less of a man because I don't have a pickup truck or a shotgun. So I'm going to have to remedy that next well, year, I think. You know, the pickup truck, well, the people but, don't know. But, but the pickup truck shot. I want to get, the, but the pickup truck, no, no, you put it in the back, the rack right by the back window, oh, right? Yeah. But I want to get a, a 1974 International Harvester. I don't know if you remember those trucks. Do I ever? Okay. So I love those trucks. Trying to get old one of those. That'd be my pickup truck. We just dropped this on social media the other day, but one of the newest projects uh, that my family has now, we have a, a, a classic car shop and um, we are, we actually bought an international harvester travel all, which is like the, I know that. Yeah. The, I can't remember what year. The bigger one. The bigger one. I think it's a 74. Yeah. So it's like the suburban to the Chevy blazer, right? So it's like the longer one. And I mean, it's a total, wreck right i mean we're gonna we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do with it but yeah i mean international scouts are incredible they're really hot right now if you're ever so i will say if you ever dreamed of getting one i would get one in the next year or two at least just to keep it um because the uh if you don't if you're not ready to work on it because um i think it's vw volvo or one of those guys uh bought the rights to the the international 
scout name and they're getting ready to come out with an electric one. And when that happens, you'll probably see the value of all the previous scouts start to skyrocket because there's gonna be a lot of interest in that brand. See, see Jared, you don't know me yet. I can't even grill. I'm not, I'm not refurbishing a car, right? I'm one of those guys that you sell the (laughs) car to after you refurbish it, right? I'm the guy that wants a daily driver. I want a 10 footer, right? One that looks good at 10 feet. I don't need a, I don't need a show car or anything like that, but they're expensive. I mean, every year here in uh, Scottsdale, they have the Barrett Jackson, uh, old car show. Oh yeah. And I got to tell you, some of those look really beautiful, but they're going for 30, 40 grand. It's expensive. So I'm trying to wipe from for 15, 20. <laughs> well, yeah, then you probably, if you might be at a 20 footer, uh, but you can, but you can, you can get them. And I will say if you could get one for 15 or 20 and pump 20, 30 in it, you probably could sell it for a hundred. Right. I mean, there's yeah, just, there's so much interest yeah. in those things. Um, but yeah, I'm with you now for the record. I'm a, coll- like, I'm a collector. I'm a collector. I'm not a seller. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. doing it for my own personal entertainment. That's all it is really for. I mean, that's not the kind of way I'm going to make money. I bought a 72 blazer, uh, which is like, nice. a, you know, like a similar thing to the scout. And I bought it and it was like, oh, I kept like the rationalization in my head was I was doing all the math. I'm like, oh, if I did this, it'll be worth blah, blah, blah. And like after, a month of like taking my kids around with the top down, like to go get ice cream and they're woo. And I was like, well, I don't know if we're ever selling this, right? <laughs> like right. I, it's probably not ever going to leave the garage. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Like I built a house here in Scottsdale right before the pandemic. I had five acres of land. People call me all the time about, Hey, you want to sell? I'm like, listen, they're going to bury me here. I'm never selling <laughs> it, right? This is it. This is it. This is where my ashes are going to go. Wait till my, I die. My wife's going to sell it. When you're not in Scottsdale, where are you? We're up in Chicago. I'm a big cyclist, so uh, we have an apartment in Chicago. We spend the time for the summer. I uh, I train to uh, cycle across states. Whoa! Uh, so last year I cycled across uh, Wisconsin in two days, 135 miles the first day, 100 miles the second day. Previously I did Michigan in one day. That was 150 miles. And this year the goal is to hike across Indiana, 160 miles in one day. Holy so, man! So that's yeah, fun. That's a huge goal. But let's talk about the one you were. You, you made it over. You went through Michigan in a single day, 150 miles. Yeah. Unbelievable. Are you doing this in a giant caravan or that's right, exactly. I, I'm doing someone's carrying me, you know, one of those things in like ancient <laughs> Egypt, you know, so no, you can, you, know, you get a 20 pound road bike. You, uh, all you gotta do is get a 20 pound road bike train for like 2,500 miles during the summer. And then you're ready. Yeah. All you do. And my wife loves it because I'm gone most weekend days i'm gone for like 10 or 12 hours cycling she goes that's fantastic i'll see you in 12 hours <laughs> so this is complete role reversal now because this whole thing has been me prodding you on grilling now i i couldn't i could not imagine doing that on a bike that is yeah. that is wild yeah it's it's fun i mean it's it's really a lot of fun i mean i own like five bikes so it's kind of been my you know my weak point in my life but i guess you'd have worse hobbies right Absolutely. You could have worse hobbies. At least that's one that keeps you healthy. I mean, you're going to, so when you do that, are you doing it with a lot of other people? Uh, I train with uh, five guys when I'm up in Chicago, but they all say, I'm not doing that. That's just crazy. There's no, we'll, we'll train with you, Barry, but we're not doing that. That's nuts. When you bike across Michigan, you land in a city that, well, I mean, then what? I mean, are you, you, well, no, no. so, so yeah. So you you remember these are organized rides, right? So there's a thousand, 2000, 3000 people doing with it. it. And usually what they have is when you get across the state, 
they have a bus waiting that will take you back to the other side of the state oh. where you load up your bicycle, right? And so these are all, you know, uh, organized things. They realize that when you bike cross state, no one's biking back. Well, actually, some people do bike back, but that's a different ride. That's a different type of person. That's what that is. But my, but my goal, Jared, is maybe in five years when I retire, I want to bike cross the United States. That's kind of what my goal is. Take three months out and do that, which I think would be a lot of fun. Uh, and I think my wife will have a great time because I won't be around for three months. If you do that, you should really think about documenting that for social media mm. or something, right? At yeah, least get fun. you a GoPro, get you a couple of things. Yeah. I mean, because like you're going to encounter some stories along that yeah. ride, right? Yeah, it should be fun. It should That's be fun. Incredible. So we'll see. You know, you got to have goals, right? I do. So how long have you been helping small businesses? Is this like something that you sort of backed into or is this kind of how you, you know, started your career? I kind of started backed into, you know, I spent my first nine years of my career working at IBM, you know, in sales and technology. Uh, and then I left to go work for one of my clients and a small business. And then he fired me a year later. I go, you know, I can do this myself. So then over the next 10 years, I started businesses, I went out of business, and my last business, I sold. Mm. And when I sold my last business, my wife said to me, Barry, if you want to stay together, you can't start any more businesses, I'm done, <laughs> right? So I did an angel investment fund for about five years, started writing books, um, and um, you know, now I just help small business owners. I do a lot of M&A activity where I'm helping people buy and sell small businesses. Uh, it's not as much fun as it was two years ago when the values were much higher. Yeah, I can the values are much lower now. Um, but you know, anything I can do not to start, you know, my own business and be done by three o'clock so I can go riding or hiking or whatever I'm doing. Uh, so that's perfect. You work from like nine to six, nine to three, and then you go off and do something else. So many people whiff on that part of the lifestyle, right? Of uh, I'm gonna spray my uh, my beef over here. My yeah, spray that beef. But like. Um, there's so many people that whiff on that part of the equation, which is like, why are we doing all this? Right. It's the, we're trying to be happy. We're trying to like build a good life for ourselves and our family. And so like, man, I applaud you. We had a guy on the show not that long ago that was talking about burnout. He, he jokingly calls himself the chief burnout officer and uh, just super funny, smart guy. And, when you think about burnout, it's because it's not just because you are, well, I need a vacation, but it's, it's just, it's little, little things that you're not doing to take care of yourself. He, he talked about eating right and sleep, getting enough sleep. And to your point, like taking some time off in the afternoon when there's, when, when you can keep working, but you're not going to be much more of a value add. What that allows you to do is just to continue to be effective more and more and more because you're doing, you're doing little things for yourself as you go. And yeah, you could run hard and work 14 hours a day, six days a week, seven days a week, but eventually like you're going to crash and then you're going to be out of commission for, you know, however long, or you're not, maybe you don't crash, but maybe you just sort of collapse and you slow down and you're still doing 14 hour days, but you're getting about an hour's worth of productivity out of it. And it's right. just, Absolutely. it's cool to see you doing that every day. That's what, that's the dream. Well, you know, we built this house here in Scottsdale three years ago and we, I did it because we have friends come by every single weekend from some snowy place. Right. And we sit out by the pool or whatever it is we eat, we drink people teach me how to grill. You know, that's why we do it <laughs> because we get to know these people better or every, every couple of years I take my family on a 
a vacation somewhere in the world. We just came back from Easter Island, Rapa Nui, the island wow. of Chile, right? So we're out there for like 10 days. And, you know, I don't know if you remember the Moai heads, you know, those little statues. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Easter uh, Island. Yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's what's there. So that's why we do it. But we have to understand that, you know, having a small business is just really a means to an end. You're helping whoever I'm helping, but then also I'm trying to spend time with the people I care about. Uh, but I think that yeah. took me maybe 40 years to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while. Yeah, it does. And I mean, like I said, good for you for making that a priority. I think, you know, it took me, I'm 41 now, and it took me a long time. I would say only up until a couple of years ago that I really start to prioritize my health and you know, my well-being and, and other things. I, I will say I always I always kept my family, you know, as a priority, but th there there was something falls off the truck. You know, if you've got one or yeah. two priorities, it's hard to have three or four. Yeah. And so health would always fall off. And I've tried to make, you know, try to make sure that that stays, you know, I'm eating better and, you know, ex exercising and things, which I, you know, for years did not do. But, but, but don't get me wrong. When I've got a deal on the table, I might be working 18 hour days to get the deal through. Right. Yeah. But you always, but, but it's not really healthy to be pushing all the time. Every single day, you have to figure out when do you really got to push and when you really don't, you can sit back and right. go for a bike ride or walk or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, my, what are we doing it all for? Right. So if, uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Barry, would like to work with you. What, how does that, how would that even work exactly? Are you, you coming as a consultant? If you want to teach me how to grill, right? www.barrymolts.com. Yeah. I mean, I work with people all sorts of different ways, right? I work with people by the hour. I work with people on retainers, whatever it is. I don't like any long-term commitments because if I'm not making a difference in your business, then I should be working with you. And ultimately, if I do work with you for a period of time, I should be working myself out of a job because hopefully you've learned enough to be able to do it on your own. So I've worked with clients for one hour and I've worked with clients for 10 years. Mm. It just matters. Can I make a difference in your business? I'm assuming you do a lot of this remotely, right? You know, I do more of it remotely now, but I still go out and visit clients every single month. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's getting old especially with less <laughs> flights around the country. It Believe it or true. not, there's no direct flight from Phoenix to Cleveland. I don't know why, really? but there's no direct flights. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, there's very few direct flights from Birmingham to anywhere. I mean, that's been one of the well, one of the issues that we've had, but you know. But there's only eight cities in America that are over a million people. Cleveland and Phoenix are two of them. You'd think there'd be a direct flight between the two of them. No airline has that. But right? who am I to say? Well, actually, that's not true. Frontier Airways does it once a day at six o'clock, but sometimes it doesn't go. So oh. if you really want to get to Cleveland, you're not flying Frontier. Right. You're right not flying Frontier. All right, Alex, get on that producer. Make sure you. <laughs> how do we get? How do we get more flights from Phoenix to to Cleveland? Exactly. So. Yeah. So check him out at BarryMolts.com. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you here. This was, this was a lot of fun. I want to get an update from you soon about grilling. I will. Uh, I want to know, I want to know how the, the Therm Pro goes. I'm going to order the TP19H, not a sponsor. Hashtag and and sponsor. Uh, from, 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 from the bottom of my wife's heart, thank you for having me on this show. And she's going to be very excited about that. I was on a show that had grilling to do with it. So That's awesome. Hopefully it'll rub off. Well, if you're out there and you listen to this show and you found something valuable, I would greatly appreciate it if you would tell somebody else 
uh, like us, share us, uh, subscribe, do all the good social media things. Check us out on TikTok. We're 20,000 subscribers strong. And we will see you guys next time on the Slow Smoke Business Show. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Barry.